everyone. Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I have here with me... Chase! What's up, guys? <laughs> and we are a paranormal podcast, and we are going to try to scare you with some new stories this week. I have a new one. It's going to have more ghosts this time, and yours... Are you back on... I got, I got another... I'm just going to say paranormal. I, I want everything to be a surprise, but it's a big story. Those of you that follow stuff, you already know what's happening. But most importantly, this is the last episode of the year. Yay! Oh, that's right. Yeah, so this is a big year for our podcast because it's the first year and we started it. <laughs> but yeah, this is the last podcast of the year. The next episode last won't episode. be until 2021, assuming a big meteor doesn't take out the planet, you know. I'm still waiting for the alien overlords to come and get us. Yeah, so if we make it to 2021, yeah. <laughs> What's that? The next episode will be then. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. So what are we drinking today, Chase? Well, I've got a beer waiting for me, but to kick off the episode, I am going to do a shot of our, of our old standby, Sailor Jerry. Our old friend. Yeah, which I'm not going to lie. As I get older, it gets rougher. I thought liquor was supposed to be the opposite. I thought you it was know, supposed to get smoother. it's rough. I'm ha- I like, yeah. This used to be like a classic, but now I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> so cheers. Cheers. Final episode of the year. Hooray. And now that that's done with, oh Lord, I'm gonna be on beer for the rest of the night. Yeah, I got me an Odell's variety pack today. Love me Odell's, great place. If you're ever in the Fort Collins area, take a tour. It's a fun time. Yeah, it was a really fun place to go. I had some cool uh, T-shirts that I bought, and then it died when we were in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I still wear my Odell T-shirt. Like it's like my favorite shirt. I know. I'm so sad. I need to get another one. But it's a good tour. The people are super nice. The beer is. I mean, it's great, and it's better when it's, you know, fresh and not, like, been in a can for a week and everything. Uh, beautiful area. And Fort Collins is a fun place. So yeah, totally. Highly recommended. Awesome. So. But enough of, yeah, enough of the pleasantries. You enough gotta... of this drinking talk. Let's get into it. Okay, so I gave her a lot of pressure ahead of time, and I said, <laughs> I want you to up the ante on the scares. I don't know if that's going to happen this episode, but I'm hoping for it. I've kind of, I've kind of let her know the things that really scare me, so hopefully... Over the next, like, couple months, she's going to be hitting me with some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, so not this one is going to be specific to Chase's fears, but I do think I'm going to scare someone out there because it's more of the traditional ghost stories kind of thing. Let's hope hope they can't sleep. Yeah, let's see if I can prevent people from sleeping (laughs) because that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my story today is called The St. Albans Sanatorium. See, it's got one of those words, sanatorium. You've got sanitarium, sanatorium, and, and what was that one that we did, the rectory? These are words oh, that's that are... a little different, No, too. I know, I mean, but like... they're, they're such uncommon words that when you hear them in a scary story, it just sounds scarier. How dumb is that? It's just, it's how I feel. So I actually was curious myself, and I looked it up, and I'm like, what's a what's the difference between like a sanatorium and an insane asylum or all these other ones? Um, I think it just has to do with like one is government funded and the other one is private. And now that I think about it, I don't remember which is which. So but is sanatorium just a different word for sanitarium or is sanitarium referring to a mental institution and sanatorium is different? I think sanatorium is a mental institute. Oh, and yeah, sanitarium yeah, so, so. is like where other illnesses might be treated or something. Hmm. I think. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, this is the words I use so rarely that, yeah. In this story, it's definitely referring to like an insane asylum. Perfect. Okay. 
That's a good start. <laughs> I don't know what the other words mean, but this one. losing your mind is totally comfortable. Yeah, I know it scares you. Mm-hmm. So this one, uh, this sanatorium is located in Radford, Virginia. It's claimed to be one of the most haunted places in the East Coast of the United States. Well, at this point, every time I read a story, it always <laughs> says the most anything, the most haunted, the biggest, the most known. I'm going to take them all with a grain of salt. Yeah. Well, this one has some pretty good activity. So I think it, I don't know if it's earned its right completely, but you know, it's, it's pretty good one. Well, I totally believe that it's scary, but when people say like the most, I'm just assuming what they're saying is it's scary. <laughs> like, yeah, it's basically scary. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start off with a little bit of history. Perfect. In 1865, during the civil war, there was a gruesome battle that took place on the land where eventually the sanatorium would be built. And it actually had, within the first hour, 1,200 men died. And I think that's pretty, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to say normal, but the Civil War had one of the biggest casualties in any, Still to this date, the most deadly uh, war for Americans, which is easy to say because Americans died on both sides, but more Americans died in the Civil War than World War II. Well, they were all, like, Americans. I know, World War II, which was such a massive war, less Americans died, so yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, like, not a really good start for this property, but that's where we are right now. Uh, in 1892, George Miles purchased the property where he uh, where he planned to build a, a, a school for children, uh, specifically boys. It was called the St. Albans Lutheran School for Boys, where he would become the headmaster. It was an incredibly strict and competitive school. Uh, Weren't they all back then, though? I mean, yeah. I read Tom Slayer and Huckleberry Finn. But this one, I guess, was, like, notorious. Like, it had a reputation. Oh, okay. Yeah, where the headmaster and the administration, basically in general, were encouraging bullying in the school. Uh, The idea was to inspire these boys to become tougher and work harder. And it was had a really... Yeah, it had a really big focus on, like, sports and and all that stuff. So I think... um, I don't know. It just felt like he was trying to create this like institution of super strong men but anyway so not surprisingly that uh because of this kind of uh encouragement there were a lot of victims and a lot of people ended up committing suicides and not just that but like uh there have been claims of some homicides maybe some like quote-unquote accidental deaths where the bullying went too far, and the person ended up dying. Oops! Like he fell down the stairwell onto some knives. <laughs> I pushed him, and I was holding the knife. Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> but he totally. I fell. didn't want him to die. Gosh, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> I'm just stabbing you. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was pretty gruesome. Uh. But again, of course, because of this, uh, it wasn't technically recorded that all these this bullying was was occurring so if someone had a complaint or anything it wasn't um being recorded anywhere it's like hearsay rumor probably was happening but i mean it's i mean it was for sure happening because everyone knew but no one was writing it down for official records because they didn't want to lose funding things like that but they wanted to continue their program or however they wanted to do this so you know where this is kind of heading maybe but Anyway, there is definitely some evidence of bullying, though, because there is a yearbook uh, from 1894-95. A staff member wrote this, quote, One of our children did not return much to the dismay of his classmates because he featured predominantly as the football of their local games. So he was 
They just kicked him. They just kicked him. He was basically like used as a football quote unquote is how the they described it. of the teacher. Yeah. She didn't say like that poor kid. She's like the students were sad because they didn't have anything to kick. Yeah. I basically yeah it was super messed up. Like ugh. I don't know. Um, if that wasn't bad enough, there was a janitor by the name of Smokey. <laughs> I refuse to say his real name. All, all Smokey the janitor. Smokey. That would hurt the children. Oh, no. I'm going to leave it at that. I can only make assumptions. And that's all I don't even want to think, but here we are. Uh, some think that the suicides might have been cover-ups done by him and perpetuated because of him. So some people might have committed suicide because of his behavior. So we're saying he might have been a serial killer or, yeah. Or something. Uh, the only reason why I bring this up is because there is a maintenance room that investigators like to go into uh, that has very high activity, which I think uh, most of them do believe it's Smokey that's in there. Uh, and the reason for this is that I guess it was known that Smokey was homosexual and he liked men as well. <clears throat> I'm assuming boys. Yeah. And so uh, he actually is only responsive to men. Uh, male investigators. But, I mean, it is a boys' school, so it is an all boys' schools. But I mean, there are it, probably some female teachers and stuff. Yeah, but I, I guess like it wasn't always a school, and we'll get into that sure. as well. But anyway, in this one particular, he whatever entity that lives there, many speculate to be Smokey, is uh, responsive to male investigators. And one uh, investigation where there was a group of of guys that went in there and started doing a session. And they asked, is Smokey really here? And there was a response. And he repeated each of the investigators' names. Mm. And it was not mentioned. Like, they did not say their own names. In fact, a lot of investigators do this on purpose to make sure that, you know, don't say my name or, like, do you know what I mean? Like, to each other, like, you and I, if we went in there, be like, don't call me Lily or just, you know what I mean? So that way, if something is real, we'll know that, I don't know, like, they read our mind or something. Which is ugh. so we're gonna hear more about this disgusting janitor, like in the pre becoming a haunting thing, or no, that's the haunting thing. I decided so, to so tell we you don't, now. We don't know how he died. Like maybe he died normally, or maybe he died at the school. We don't know. Uh, as far as I know, no, we well, don't. Let's know. hope it was a painful death. I know because that guy seems like scum. Yeah, so I guess a lot of people basically just assume it's him that's haunting that area. Uh, the only thing that people can't agree on is whether or not he hangs out in the closet because he's just familiar with it or because that's where he brought his victims. Ugh. Yeah. So I don't even want to go in that room just for the principal. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't care if I'm going to get proof. I just don't want to be here with you. Anyway, he's a douchebag. We're not going to talk about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve our attention. Yeah. I mean, I know I just talked about him, but it's part of the history and everything. So whatever. Um... In 1903, the headmaster ended up dying, and for whatever reason, like, enrollment really dropped, funding started dropping, and eventually it closed in 1911. And it wasn't until 1916 that Dr. John C. King purchased the property uh, in the intent of creating a psychiatric hospital that would eventually... uh, (laughs) Why, Why is that so, like, it's, like, typical? He's like, wow, look... A school with a sordid history, a building with lots of trauma and hate in it. This would be a perfect place to open my totally sane, will never be haunted mental hospital. Yes, with people who can handle 
the negativity that is obviously surrounded. And no, no one like finds like a really happy place, you know, like a like a um, like an old Six Flags, and be like, this might be a great place for you know, a lot of people had joy and happiness and candy corn. This would be a great place to help. I like how your default candy is candy corn. I don't know. I've never been to Six Flags because <laughs> I apparently have only had horrible experiences. And I've never been to these wonderful Six Flags. But I was just trying to think of like a happy place where it's like, yes, this is where I want to go for healing. Is yeah. the place happy? Well, um, yeah. So like I was saying, uh, his intent was to actually treat these patients, which at the time in 1916 would have still been pretty... Um, Controversial. Well, controversial in the sense that, like, nobody was doing that. No one was trying to help people who had mental problems or, like, or whatever issues, like schizophrenia or even addictions and things like that. They were basically just, if they were in a hospital, they were basically put in a room and forgotten. Like, no one was trying to treat them, really. I say say this in general. No, absolutely. I think you're right. I don't have statistics for me but i know that usually when doctors were treating people though it was usually pretty horrible things like shock treatment or and it and uh, you're not wrong so so basically that's what he wanted to do um because what he what he ended up doing is actually really making this the space the area the property really nice to, to be at he actually built a farm on the property that was self-sustaining so oh, nice. that way yeah like patients would be able to eat like fresh vegetables or whatever farm animals that they were eating and he also built uh, a bowling alley in the basement Mm -hmm. a roof garden had swimming pools like it was a really nice facility when he initially uh, built it but he apparently kept that one closet well i guess you know whatever reasons they used it for i mean yeah uh they had unfortunately because the intent was to help people no one had done this before so everything they were trying was new. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what I'm trying to get at is that these patients, although with the intent of helping, basically became lab rats. Oh. Yeah. So these revolutionary methods, as I call them, I guess, uh, some were electroshock therapy. So I think I'm going to describe these just in case people don't know. No, you absolutely should. I mean, it, it makes it scary. Yeah. So electroshock therapy... Uh, this essentially what the title suggests. Uh, people would be lying down, strapped down on a bed, and they would be continuously shocked through electricity. Oftentimes, it was on the head area where they place these um, kind of pads where electricity mm-hmm. would run through it. And because it was a new treatment and no one really knew or had like specific guidelines or rules on how long it should happen... Sometimes doctors would do this for hours. Sometimes they would do it until the person passed out and then do it again when they woke up. Mm-hmm. So it really was under the discretion of the doctor of how long this process would take. So. Sweet. And they're experts in the field, you know, and having never done this And before. having never done this, uh, they're experts. Um, awesome. Other ones are lobotomies. Now, for those of you who don't know, this might get a little graphic, but essentially it's a long metal stick shoved in people's eye sockets in the uh, inner part of your eye you know what I mean like where you near the tear duct near the tear duct thank you and so through there it goes up into your brain and the idea if you know what you're doing I guess 
uh, you're reaching an area in which you're trying to treat the bad behavior and essentially scramble the brain back to normal. Mm -hmm. So so (laughs) you can actually watch a lot of stuff on YouTube about this. There's one particular doctor who did this too an ungodly number of patients he was the person who thought it was the greatest thing ever the metal bar that they shove up into your eye socket looks kind of like a t and when when they put it right into your eye socket then they use a little hammer and they have to hit it because they have to break through the bone right yeah. to get it into your brain and then once they shove it into your brain several inches he will move and bend this rod around and like she, back like, and forth like yeah. she just said it's scrambling their frontal lobe and then they remove it. The pay, This is done usually without regular anesthesia. Sometimes uh, the first times they did it, they did electroshock treatment to make them pass out. And then they did it while they were passed out. Yeah. So they didn't use it like anesthesia. They just yeah. uh, numbed them with more pain. And then these people would be like everyone would leave the room. And like hours later, the person would come to and then they would be taken home. And this completely changes someone's personality. Before they did this, uh, they had a much more invasive where they actually opened up the skull and removed the front portion of the brain. But and they did do that. very uh, dangerous. They did do this at the asylum as well. Yeah. So the lobotomies did come after. Uh, they did initially try to experiment, I guess, mm-hmm. with the cracking of the skull and removing portions of the brain. Of course, that took some uh, trial and error in itself. So it wasn't immediately like, oh, we tried on this one guy and he died. No, no, no. It was like... We need to try it on multiple patients and make sure we're removing the correct part of the brain until eventually they did it so many times that they moved on to lobotomies. And usually when it happens, people lose their entire personality. They become... Sometimes... They, they sit there docile, not doing anything. I mean, it did cure aggression, but it also yeah. cured all forms of personality. The two most interesting cases is this was done to JFK, President JFK's sister. This happened to her when she was pretty young. Yeah. Because they thought that she was manic or, or, or and, and they did it to her and it completely ruined her. And when they say manic, I read more into it. She essentially just liked to go to smoke and hang out with her friends. Oh, yeah. She was a totally normal person. She was being, like, I guess rebellious. Wow. I would have had lobotomies a million times if that was the case. And then I saw this interview with a guy who's in his, like, 50s now. And his mom was upset because he essentially what it seemed like is he had just like ADD. She's like, he doesn't do his homework. He doesn't pay much attention. Sometimes he talks back. So she brought him in to have this done to him. And it fucked him up for a while. But he gained everything back because he was just young enough to that his rebuild. brain was able to compensate. Yeah. But most people, that was it. They were done. Yeah, they were basically horrible. vegetables or, you know, sometimes they just died. So Yeah, it's like the worst thing ever. That was one of the uh, methods they used to cure, I guess. Other so ones, this was a really happy place. It was super happy. Thank God they had swimming pools. They you had know, farms. After you have a lobotomy, go swimming. <laughs> and hope your brain doesn't leak out into the pool. Ugh. Um, other ones, they had insulin-induced comas mm. and hydrotherapy. Now, hydrotherapy does exist today, yep. from what I understand, but it's not the same it's not like this nice gentle water that you have people who have limited mobility kind of wade in. No, no, no. This one. So what they would do is um, they would take patients and lay them down on a bed, wrap them up in towels and pour ice cold water and leave them there for days. Sweet. Yeah. Others were laid in steaming water vats and left there for days as well. So they were just kind of immobile, like they could not move. 
and others were just simply sprayed with high pressure ice cold water from a fire hose. Well, I mean, that's just good, clean fun. I just, it's the original super soaker. Sometimes it would be so cold and high pressure that their skin would peel. Uh, yeah. Uh, and because they were spraying them for so long. And you know, you know, if you're wet long enough and there's like some trauma to the skin, abrasion or anything, it's easier for it to peel. So anyway, this is a really fun episode. So five bucks <laughs> says... That when people are bringing disturbed family members to this place, they're like, does it work? And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, we have, like, great results. But the results were probably zero. So every once like in a while, apparently there were some good results. Enough for them to continue. And in those situations, you know it's not that what they did isn't what fixed them. They were, like, misdiagnosed, so they didn't really have a problem. Yeah, or they Or they just realized they had some issues, but they found it was a lot easier to pretend they didn't have issues and fake it just so they didn't have to get sprayed with the fire hose that day. Yeah, pretty much. Sweet. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, many of these treatments were new at the time, and there were definitely a lot of casualties. So many so. And I mean casualties and deaths, obviously that they needed to build their own morgue on site. So that's how successful they were. (laughs) Welcome to our hospital. We do a really good job. Oh, don't mind that building. That's just where we burn all the dead bodies. (laughs) That's the crematorium. For people who actually survived these, for example, like electroshock therapy, they would end up having lifelong seizures. Uh, Sometimes they would have a slow down mental capacity. So they would actually just have, you know, mental disability. Absolutely lobotomies we just talked about that where they would end up brain dead dead or just have some sort of minimal brain activity but they're still technically alive if that makes sense like functioning where they would sit down maybe know how to eat but that's it obviously they would also have uh, depression and ptsd i mean obviously how could you not with that said imagine these horrible conditions things that are happening uh to these people And in 1945, the hospital was severely understaffed as well, where it was estimated that there were about 6,509 patients and only 48 staff members. Man, so, I mean, they're just, they don't have enough time to shock everybody. What do they do? So what they end up doing is that they're just rotating people for experiments. So sometimes you would be left there um, and not being, quote unquote, treated for a very long time until, like, it was your turn. Oh, so this was a good time for the patients because they could go a lot longer without being treated like scum. Yeah, possibly. But then the people that just, you know, like, were depressed and PTSD and, like, need other type of looking after or just, like, help, obviously weren't even getting that attention. So you were really just on your own. Until you were paid attention, which is not what you wanted. So unsurprisingly, because of this, there were multiple suicides. And they even had to put mesh fencing on the garden rooftop so that patients wouldn't jump off of it. And I mean, like, heavy-duty metal, like, cage-looking yeah, sure, sure. fencing. Um, and some patients, actually, uh, they ended up using the space for different reasons, eventually, where they would put some of the more particularly violent patients up there. And leave them there for days. And some of the paranormal stuff nowadays, that if you're close enough, sometimes you hear people screaming up there. Oh, that's really unsettling. Yeah. But I mean, how? I still have a hard time. I know they say hindsight's twenty twenty, And a lot of times I try to give the benefit of the doubt and understand why people had weird points of view and there's a lot of horrible things that i don't understand and this is definitely in that horrible things like how could people imagine doing these things to people was fixing them 
I don't know. And I mean, I mean, just like the deaths alone. Yeah, I mean, if if your facility is causing people to commit suicide on such a mass scale, I mean, did you ever look in the mirror and be like, huh, what could I be doing better? Yeah, I don't think they did that. I don't think they self analyze themselves. I bet they just built some more swimming pools. (laughs) Let's keep them happy. Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, so there's also a bathroom that is called the suicide bathroom. Because there have been uh, at least four confirmed suicides in there, two of which uh, were hung were people that hung themselves on the exposed heating pipes that ran along the ceiling, and another one was believed to drown herself in the bathtub, and another one was a woman broke the mirror in her bathroom and began swallowing the pieces of glass. What? <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go! I mean, I I'm sorry. Like, I think there's just better ways to. End it, but maybe I don't know. I guess if you have mental issues, you're not really thinking. But who knows? I mean, I already hated using communal bathrooms. I mean, this just made it a lot worse. <laughs> well, no, I think there were just different patients that were in there eventually. <laughs> I know, even just like, like rotating. Man, I really, I really got to take a shit. Ah, can't go in there. That chick's eating glass again. <laughs> I'll hold it. I guess, bitch. Um, in the 1980s, they did an expansion on the building, and during construction. This was- Still functioning in the 80s? Oh, yes. Didn't by the 80s we have at least human rights activists who jumped but in and said you can't do this I stuff I don't anymore? think they were like still doing lobotomies or anything. I think that it was so just... So it's just still a horrible place, but maybe maybe they had to stop electrocuting half their patients? Maybe. Maybe they just had to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. I really don't know when they stopped doing electroshock therapy in regular, but I really wanted it to be the 80s by then. I maybe think I'm, I'm hoping, but, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, if Pretty Woman came out and we were still doing electroshock <laughs> therapy... There's the world is a very different place than I thought it was. Yeah, your your mind is blown. I I don't know. I'm hoping. I'm gonna say no, just because for the sake of having some faith in humanity. I don't know. Um. So yeah. So the during this construction, this is kind of like a side story. A woman by the name of Gina Renee Hall was seen on the site with one of the construction workers during the night. I think she was like at a nightclub before that or something like that. Anyway, that was the last time anyone saw her again. Police were unable to recover her body, but her car was found a few hundred yards away from the construction site, and in the trunk of her car, there was there was evidence of blood. Apparently, that was enough to convict the worker that was seen with her, which was a big deal at the time because it was Virginia's first murder conviction without a body. Really? Yeah, many people believe that uh, she was buried underneath the newer part of the building, or oh, it's yeah. so, or somewhere in in the building, like because it'd be really hard to find a body. You can't just start tearing up a whole building out on a hunch. Yeah, I guess not. Not. I mean, they don't have any evidence of where her body might have been, but a lot of uh, people think if that's the last place that she was seen, yeah, maybe. But like, that but guy where? Went, that guy went to prison, right? Please, please I think please, he was. Please. Yeah, I think he was convicted. Like he Good. was actually charged and went to jail. Um, a little bit of justice in this stories of horror. Hopefully, yeah. As long as my sources are correct, we'll see. Many, um, uh, yeah. So obviously, because of this reason, some of the activity that is captured underneath in the basement area is often believed to be her, mm. Gina, because uh, one, I think in EVPs and other voice recordings and whatnot, when they ask questions. She either says her name or confirms one way or another Spons that it's her. Positive. Okay. Yeah, like in a, in a like 
active way. The EVP, is that the one that makes that weird kind of noise and it picks up random frequencies? Oh, that's the spirit box. Okay, so what's the EVP then? Uh, Electronic voice phenomenon, so that's usually just like a recorder. Oh, the white noise. The white noise, like you just kind of pick it up on any recording. It can be like a mic or anything like that. You know me, the ghost hunting thing's out of my uh, realm of expertise, so I'm going to ask this question like 800 times. (laughs) No, it's okay. Yeah, uh, so she's down there as well, allegedly. Uh, Eventually, in 1990s, the facility ceased to operate and officially closed in 2004. 2004? Okay, yeah, they did officially close in 2004, but it was also not functioning in the 1990s either. I think it's just like officially, officially closed. Still bitter about the 80s thing, but at (laughs) least that. I mean, come on, the 90s? Greatest decade of all time. Sure. (laughs) I say only as someone who was a kid in the 90s, people who grew up in different decades realize how untrue that is. Yeah, well, ours was like cartoons and... And Gak. And Nickelodeon, (laughs) yeah. So (laughs) it was a great time. Um, So yeah, so in the 1990s, just going back a little, there was allegedly a satanic group that broke into the building and performed rituals. Well, duh. I mean, what else are you, you supposed to do? You have to, I think. So I guess there was evidence found, whether it was planted or if it's real, who knows. But it just, it really doesn't help. I'll say that. It could also be teenagers that, I mean, teenagers do this. I mean, seriously, even when I was <laughs> I a teenager. never did that. I but. Mean, you know what teenagers do when they, like, break into an abandoned building? They, like... Paint like Satan stars, the pentagrams. A pentagram or whatever. Star. <laughs> <Satan> <laughs> star. <laughs> that sounds like a horrible achievement on like a homework assignment. <laughs> like you get a Satan star. Yeah, no, they're like uh, paint pentagrams and write six 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 because they're like, ooh, I'm a teenager. And like, this is fun. Look, it's evil. I sound yeah. so old saying that, but as I get older, I realize how stupid I was when I was a teenager because that's kind of stupid shit I did too. Yeah, I I never did anything like that. But I think like if I was invited, maybe. <laughs> No one ever invited me to the insane asylum. Hey, Lily, come along. You can paint the third six. (laughs) Awesome, guys. Mine's going to be pink. (laughs) So uh, uh, that was the situation in the 90s. And then, obviously, like I said, in 2004, it closed. And Tim Gregory, a former patient of the hospital, purchased the property. And Uh, this isn't good. With the intent of restoring it. So it's actually not bad. If he was a former patient... I thought we talked about how horrible but this is. But this is like in the, I'm sure he was a patient like in the 80s or something where everything was probably better. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, I mean, he obviously couldn't have been a patient there in the early 1900s. You know, back when all the, uh, all the nurses had flock of seagulls haircuts and. Yeah, basically. Okay. So he was pretty cool. Yeah, he, he actually earns money by kind of uh, throwing events at the facility, so he, doing tours. He, he currently owns it. From what I understand, yes. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, there's also, I mean, like I said, there's tours that, that happen. I mean, not right now because COVID or whatever. But at the time, there were tours and also Halloween parties or rather a haunted house that he'd have there for Halloween. Cool. And this is where one of the stories come in. Ooh. Yes. So... One of the volunteers at the haunted house uh, dressed up as a character that she called Muffin Man. I'm assuming this just like giant. The Muffin Man, man from Drury Lane. What? Sorry, that's Shrek reference, which is also a like fairy tale reference. Anyway, keep going. I don't know, maybe. Tell me about the Muffin Man. Well, one night she left her post for a while and eventually returned. Upon returning, she mentioned that uh, you know to the other person that was there. Because, you know, like, they're there to scare people and everything. Sure. I uh, said, sorry, it took so long uh, to get back, but anyway, I'm here. And the volunteer kind of was confused and said, what are you talking about? You were here 
you just left now and you, you came back in a second. So it seems like there's some sort of manifestation or mm. like ghost that mimicked her. Ooh. It's kind of creepy, like a doppelganger, like totally. Oh, you know, that's terrifying. And and actually did scare kids uh, and like and, and was there like in her post. So the other volunteers, they're not like talking to each other you know, because they're working and they're having constant people come in. So when she actually came back slash that other entity left, she came back right after. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I never realized how disturbing that concept was until I just heard this. <laughs> That's new that's, fear. That's morbid. That's, that's that's horrifying. That's so freaky. But yeah. So let's go into the other hauntings. Mine would totally be called the Doppel Chaser. Just saying. <laughs> yep. Um, so usually, whenever there's an investigation at that facility, there is always something that seems to be captured. Whether it's EVP through the spirit box. Sometimes they do other types of like investigative work where. They have, you know, the two flashlights thing, or... <laughs> yeah. I know you don't like right, so it. So people who, who may not know what it is, uh, Lily, correct me if I'm wrong, they'll take a couple flashlights, and a lot of flashlights, they, the batteries make contact when they're fully screwed in. Yeah. So they unscrew them just enough, so they just barely turn off, and the idea is that if you set them out, it's such a minimal amount of... It's more sensitive. ...force or contact. Right that a supernatural force would be able to potentially make it light up. Yeah. And so they'll ask, hey, ghost, can you turn the light on? I, I don't like this test because, one, it makes the assumption that ghosts understand how flashlights work, especially if they're from, like, the 1800s. But I think, like, but the also, idea is that they make it sensitive enough where they're not spinning and they just say touch it. And if it's it it's so, it's so sensitive that they say touch this. For sure. They'll say touch the left flashlight or touch the right flashlight. And I think it's interactive, so... Obviously, sometimes they might, the battery might make some contact on its own, like it's just close enough or whatever. Yeah, yeah that electricity arcs or whatever. Yeah, and so they're like, okay, it could be a blip, but they continue with a series of questions, and if sure. it's consistent and they kind of have it within, you know, a few second time frame after asking a question, if they're answered, and sometimes they are, like consistently, especially in this place. Apparently, I have it in my notes later, but I'll just say it now. Uh, I guess like nurses they tend to be the most communicative when it comes to these flashlights. So if you're asking a nurse or or, or somebody in the staff saying, hey, I want to talk to you, they're a lot more receptive with that. Well, I mean, if if we just assumed uh, people who were suffering from some unfortunate mental, mental issues, why they were at the hospital in the first place, you could assume if they were even more unfortunate enough to have to be haunting the place... Mm-hmm. They might not understand as well as someone who wasn't having That's fair. So maybe it's just because since it's supposed to be more interactive, like very yeah. specific, it would require someone who's better sound in mind. And I just really hope that those poor people who already were suffering from mental issues, that would be so unfortunate if they had to stick around and haunt a place. Yeah. I just wish them the best. And I hope to God <laughs> they did, they're not the ones. I'm okay with the creepy nurses that electrified people sticking around. They can take it. Yeah. But yeah. Well. They like to talk. They like to gab as well. So there was actually a video that I watched on YouTube where these investigators went into just a part of the building and sure. the guy was like, I'm holding up fingers. Can you tell me how many I have up? And he had, I think it was a spirit box that he had okay. on and he was holding two and it said two. Oh. He continued this a few other times and he always got a response. Interesting. Yeah, so that was cool. 
to watch. Uh, some of the things that were <laughs> were captured in either EVP or on the spirit box were the following terms. Uh, you know, whatever questions they may have asked, sometimes they're responsive to the question specifically, like answered them correct- correctly, and like that makes sense. And then sometimes they were just random. They caught on their recorder. Sure. But here are some of them. Some said, get out. <laughs> there were growling noises. Mm. There's whistling. I guess there's a room called the whistling room where it's very common to capture whistling. So I think that's I don't know if I find whistling scary. But then again, if I heard random whistling and I was by myself in a room, maybe I would. I think I would be terrified. Uh, a woman yelling, footsteps, laughing. Someone says, or a spirit said, it has begun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you sure it wasn't Shang Tsung? <laughs> Getting ready for Mortal Kombat to begin. You just hear the theme song. Oh, man. I didn't. <laughs> you threw me off with your, your noises. We told, that wasn't even the right noises? I was trying to sing it, too. But we both failed. Okay. Well, and some of the other, not Shang Tsung, but another uh, things that they say is, Jacob, Rebecca, something bad, don't go away. And then someone, I did actually watch a video, and this is one of the things that they said. It says, is there anyone with us? And then it said, here with you. Mm. So that's nice. Uh, Yeah. And a lot of them are, these are like the better ones that I listened to that I could actually hear. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that totally did say that. That actually makes sense. And then there were some videos where it was like, did you hear that? He said, get out. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? So it was just like, it was just awful. It would take all my energy that if I was ever at one of these places with you and we were asking questions to not just say, Mufasa. (laughs) (laughs) Just to see if you'd like come to give me fatherly advice. Just (laughs) all this land that you can see is yours, except for that dark, crappy place over there with the hyenas. Which is where we are. (laughs) Which is where we are. In the asylum. Yeah. Uh, So there have also been reports of a man in a suit carrying a camera. Hmm. In fact, it's common for guests. Common as in, like, if they're going to see something, it's a lot of times this guy. Sure. Where they say to the tour guide... Hey, who's the man outside in a suit taking pictures of the building? And they usually are like, there is no guy, you know, that's a ghost. So is there any indication that this guy has like an old timey suit? Because I mean, like an 1800s suit and like a modern suit are very different. Yes, it's an old timey suit. So they think like, oh, maybe it's maybe just he has like a bowler hat or something cool like that. I hope so. That Imagine would be cool. with like like a, a red a, vest a red like, vest and like a mustache that wins awards and <laughs> and, and smoking his pipe. Yeah, and if you start a fight with him, he holds his arms up, you know, British Fisty style. Cuffs, he's yeah. like, hey, <laughs> get ready to start. So I mentioned earlier with the EVPs that they caught someone say Jacob, and I guess there is a Jacob's room in the building. It's a small child that was a patient there. He Mm. was unfortunately murdered by another patient. Mm. So people bring him little toys and uh, they place them in the middle of the room so that he can play with them because I guess he's still there. And people have captured him like little little kid voice in there. Wait a minute. This is very familiar. Did they go? Is this where they went on the Unsolved show? Did they go there with the toys? Sounds familiar. Um, Unsolved show? 
Oh, uh, the BuzzFeed? Yeah. I don't... I don't know. This sounds so familiar. Okay, maybe maybe a lot of places like this, or maybe I actually this this so, specific part I know. It's about. interesting because I think this happens a lot. Like whenever a kid passes, there's a more innocent, yeah, a child or someone who like, like, do you remember where I did another story on another mansion, the Limp Mansion? Yeah, and there was the he had Down syndrome. Yeah, yeah, and he was so that they bring kid. him toys still. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. I think that's just a common thing, but well, very kind, possible. It's I don't kindness. know. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times people have actually captured, and I did see a video where it looked like one of the toys moved on its own, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And that seems to be a very common uh, occurrence, I guess, aside from the EVPs and stuff. There is also an area in the ward, where there's like an old alcoholics ward, where they believe there have been many uh, apparitions there. During tours, a group of people will hear footsteps in other rooms, screaming, and uh, hear, like, conversations in the next room. Okay, so the screaming is the one that I find off-putting, and I would find that genuinely alarming. Whenever you have, like, a group of people on a tour, though, hearing footsteps or conversations, I would never think that was weird. Because you don't know. There's, there might be other people working the event or or other people but if there it's a tour it's just like one tour that goes through it's not like you know what i'm Uh, saying like all these it's not like a haunted house where you have like shifts and you kind of see the people in front of you i know but you don't know if they have a couple employees are like we got to make this good so they tell all their friends so we have a couple other people like just walk around and whatnot a screen though i know you could still say there's they could have someone doing the screen but a screen would make me unsettled if i was on it yeah so that's just one of the things Forever doubtful. So they're down below in the basement where I had mentioned that there's a bowling alley. There is also a lot of activity. Uh, one of the There's two ghosts, I guess, that are very common down there. One of them is a little girl who many believe was the daughter of one of the patients and may have died there as well. In the bowling alley? You know, they never specified okay. that, but they think, like, if they're trying to, like, go back in records and say sure. there weren't that many kids, I guess, but... If there was, it might have been this girl. Uh, from many investigations, uh, there is always something that's kind of captured talking. And if it sounds like a little girl, they think it's her and they call her Allie. I guess it's her name. And, of course, like I had mentioned before, the other person being uh, Gina. Yeah. The person that was being murdered. So she's the other ghost that's often there. People have also been thrown downstairs. Wait, wait like... Okay. Down a staircase, yeah. One of the victims that were thrown down the staircase claimed that moments before it happened, he saw a very large, muscular man on top of mm. the staircase. But instead of a human head, he had a, a head of a goat. Mmm, yeah. Philip. Mmm. <laughs> to live deliciously. Deliciously. Uh, so, yeah, so they call him the goat man. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Other people have experience uh, being scratched as well, so sometimes Mm. they get a little violent. On one of the tours, there was a priest that went on on a tour with a group of people. He wasn't dressed like a a priest and didn't tell anyone else on the tour that he was a priest either. And during the tour, someone shouted his name from down the hall. Father, and I forgot his name. I didn't write it down. Really? I just looked at my notes and I'm like, wow, I really left that blank, didn't I? But yeah, so they said, Father, blah, blah, blah. And it was his name, which he didn't tell anyone. 
it's just like a tour. You know what I mean? Like, I know some people might introduce themselves. Sure, But sure. you know how you're kind of just on your own. It's uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. Some of the people in the group momentarily lost vision. Mm. And there were other unexplained sounds uh, they kept hearing during the tour. So a lot of people speculate because he was a priest, he kind of... It was very unwelcome. Yeah, he, he ruffled some feathers a little more mm-hmm. than what someone like you and I. It's interesting to see a priest go on a tour like that. I though, wasn't sure. Yeah, I don't know if it was like a... I think it was a private tour kind of thing. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I got yeah. to admit, I don't know too many priests in person these days. Um, so I don't know or how... Or any days. I don't think I know any When I was a kid, you know, when I was church going, you know... I oh, you mean in, like your priest. In, a, in an official, yeah, yeah. capacity. But, um, uh, yeah, no, seriously, a priest going on a ghost tour that never... I mean, they're totally allowed. Maybe they like it, but that just <laughs> sounds weird, doesn't it? That's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. So there's another kind of legend, and some people try to find records, but it seems pretty hard to find but anyway mm. i'm gonna tell it to you anyway because it's kind of creepy i want to hear it is the shadow boy <laughs> Ooh. oh it's a good name it sounds like a good title for a movie yeah shadow boy starring like angelina jolie <laughs> she's the <Shadow> boy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so around uh so this boy and you know what i i tried finding a name and there wasn't it did, okay. he's just the boy around six years old his parents had died and he had to move to radford to live with his aunt and uncle. The boy was obviously very distraught over his parents' death, obviously, and he was very a difficult child because of it. He'd throw a lot of tantrums. He wouldn't listen. He was just very, very hard to handle. Well, after some time, the aunt and uncle reported that every time he threw a fit, things would start moving around the house. Like he was creating some sort of energy. Gotcha. And things were even uh, thrown across the room whenever he was screaming or, like, throwing a tantrum. Sure. Uh, The last straw was when the aunt went to comfort the boy during one of his fits, but as she approached him, she noticed a dark shadow figure seven feet tall behind him as she approached closer. Terrified, she obviously began to move back, but by that point, it was too late, and the shadow figure pushed her across the room. So... After after that, the aunt and uncle decided to admit the boy at the sanatorium to be treated. By the accounts of two nurses, one night they heard a loud demonic scream coming from the boy's room, which, by the way, he was kept in isolation. Oh. So, I don't know why. They seem like... They, I mean, it, it didn't scary. seem like... Yeah. Poor kid, though. I mean... Yeah. When they approached the room to go check on him, they saw that the tall... They saw the tall shadow figure with large red eyes hovering above the boy. When they saw the boy, they noticed that he as well was levitating and it would drop to the ground. Levitate and drop to the ground. A couple of more times until the nurses finally decided to go in there and obviously... Whoa, whoa, whoa. They went in there? Yeah, like, they did opened... Did you see that happening? Well, they saw it. For, <laughs> at first they were like in shock, obviously, but they go in there, they open the door. That's ballsy. And But they also had called for backup but like there's other people around and i think there was like at least four people that went in there and the shadow figure pushed them all out and locked the door somehow so they couldn't get back in to help the boy and by the end of it he was basically having seizures and things like that like he was freaking out not too long after he was actually moved to another location so he wasn't at that uh, building anymore However, 
to this day, people still say they see the shadow man. In that room? In that, in, in, the, the, in the building itself. So there is some sort of, people do believe there's a demonic figure in there. Yeah, I'm still having a hard time thinking. If they see a giant shadow figure and a kid levitating and dropping and levitating, like, that's when I'm like, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm going to get another job. I, I can do this. We'll do anything else but this ever again. Yeah, I was yeah. like, at this point, I realized that there's things beyond life and death, so I need to really not be working here right now. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. And that, my friend, is the story. All right. So, shadow figure, horrifying. Yeah. That poor kid. The doppelganger, terrifying. So, we don't know if the kid's dead or not. Actually. Oh, and he's dead now. Well, yeah, because it was a long time ago. Uh, no, so actually what I understand, the story that I heard, he did die a year later, but they don't know why. Well, he died he in, in another being facility. Raised and dropped so many times. Just, I don't know. I think he was just totally out of it and weak at that point. Damn, poor kid. Yeah, which a lot of times that does happen with possessions where the host ends up being very sick and die. Poor kid. Yeah. But those doppelgangers, though. <laughs> They're just there for fun, to scare people. Man, I think that would be kind of a nightmare if, like, I came home. I mean, it's during quarantine, so I'm, like, always home, but... Like, if I came home from work, and I said, hey, I'm home, and you're just like, I know, you've been home forever, and I'll be like, no, I haven't, I just got home, you're like, you're like, shut up, I've been talking to you for, like, hours now, I'd just be like, oh, shit. I think I would just be like, I have to go for a while, like, I have to just leave. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going to the Taco Bell <laughs> in San Diego, bye. Bye. Well, if I'm going to leave, I might as well make it cool. Yeah. I like how both our stories involve us just like leaving the other person behind. <laughs> Bye, Lily. We're such a good Have couple. Have fun with the dogging. You're like, no, no, no. I'm leaving. You're dealing with it. Yeah. We're not leaving together. We're so lovely. We're so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> we got to have someone preoccupy the, the spirit. All right. So you do have some creepy stuff there. You've got the horrible boys school with the creepy child predator uh, janitor giving a bad name to janitors which is unfortunate and then it gets turned in happily and conspicuously into an insane asylum because why not because obviously and then we electrocute and stab the brains of all these people for years and for some reason people are like let's keep this going till the 80s (laughs) and then you've got you've got bouncing boys with shadow figures yeah you got doppelgangers you got disembodied voices you have a goat man i mean you really have it all all right so the chase analysis of this is i don't think i want to tour this place oh why not i don't know i need to see some pictures and see how i feel maybe i need to watch some of these youtube videos and if they look like really fake like a lot of the ghost tv shows i see then maybe like oh it's all i got this there's a lot it, it looks creepy in there i'm not gonna yeah, lie so i gotta check it out but maybe maybe but right now it's a no Okay. I'll do some research and maybe it becomes a maybe. All right. I'm holding you to it. In case you guys out there don't know, we actually do make an effort to see haunted stuff whenever we travel to places. We don't necessarily make the haunted places the destination, but when we go places, we look for haunted places. We see if there is any. Yeah. And we've gone on more than a few tours in our time. Yeah. And and road trips make it easier because then you can kind of go out of your way just a little bit to get the small, small town. That was what was hard because when we went to boston i really wanted to go to the lizzie borden it was house, far away but though. we didn't 
road trip we we obviously it was like plane. Yeah, we flew out there. Yeah, so, so in we couldn't we couldn't just drive out there because it was out of the way. Like, and there sure. we, there was ways to get out there, but man, it was not the easiest. Well, we way. weren't there for that long, and yeah, it was so take a long it was time. it was a nightmare. But anyway, I really wanted it was it was hard knowing I was so close and not being able to do it. So definitely. One of the scary stories you've told me on the show yes. so far. Yes, and it's actually, not even my scariest. I have one in my pocket that I'm going to unleash. I'm actually genuinely disturbed by some of those stories. The shadow figure kind of messes me up a little bit. So right before, like right now, we were going to record, I was like, I need something else. And that's when I started listening to some of the EVPs. And even I was like, it's kind of dark out there, isn't it? I like started <laughs> freaking myself out because some of them, like especially the ones that are growling or like really creepy sounding those really get me every time i'm like did i just literally hear a demon <laughs> so i i personally have a hard time listening to those things i was just a wolf in the distance yeah it's just me or it was like some guy in another room that was just a stomach growling just picked <laughs> picked it up on the high frequency it's just someone's just really hungry they're like oh i guess it's a demon <laughs> is it a demon it's or looking. does that guy need some cheetos right now yeah i need cheetos stat well, what we actually do need stat is another round of drinks. Yes. And it's the perfect time for us to get another round. I hope you guys out there, if you want another round, you get it too. We'll be back in a few moments. Yeah, see you in a bit. While we are refreshing our drinks, it's a good time to tell you about this episode's sponsor. This week we are brought to you by Woody's Hoodies 505, a brand new independent clothing company right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Founder George Woods has created designs that celebrate the most iconic landmarks and cultural icons of life in the 505, such as the historic Chemo Theater, the tramway bridges, lowriders, and my personal favorite, the giant red arrow on Carlisle. They are currently available in t-shirts and hoodies for both men and women. Make sure to check out his designs at his web store, woodyshoodies505.com, that's W-O-O-D-Y-S-H-O-O-D-I-E-S-505.com, and follow his Instagram at woodyshoodies505. All right, we're back with our next round. Time for part two of the episode. I got me a beer. You got yourself some more rum. She's sticking with it. I am on rum tonight. All right, so cheers to part two. Excellent. So for those of you who've been listening, this will be very familiar because it's time for an end of episode encounter. Counter, counter, counter. Ooh, it's getting spicier. Yeah. UFOs? Yeah. It's time for some more UFOs. (laughs) All right. So today I'm talking about the Rendlesham Forest incident. Now, for those of you out there who know a lot about UFOs, this you probably have heard of this. This is a super high profile case. This is often considered Britain's Roswell and is the most famous UFO incident on the island. Wow. That's cool. I don't. I don't know if I've heard it. I'm so unfamiliar with UFO occurrences outside of the U.S. because every time I see like a TV show or story, they're always based on the U.S. And I always kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, why are they always happening here? Well, they're not. It's just these shows aren't doing a good job of covering the stuff that's happening in the rest of the world. Yeah, I think that might be it. So this is a big deal. Um, This took place in December 1980, five years before we were born. Uh, In Rendlesham Forest, which is in Suffolk, England. Uh, For those of you who who don't know where that is, just imagine the island of England. It's kind of in the southeast coast, east of London. And 
this Rendlesham Forest, just for full disclosure, is near uh, RAF Woodbridge. That's Royal Air Force mm-hmm. Woodbridge, which is a air, former Air Force base. It was functioning at the time. At the time, it was actually being used by the U.S. Air Force. It has since become unused by the RAF in 1993 and is currently being used by the Ministry of Defense for training. So anyway, it's okay. important because the story in, involves the military base. Sure. Uh, anyway. On December 26th, around 3 a.m., strange lights were witnessed in the forest by security Mm. patrol near the RAF Woodbridge gate. The first light appeared to fall downward, and the team assumed it might have been a downed aircraft. Allegedly, animals on a nearby farm, there's multiple farms around where this occurred, Mm -hmm. were going crazy. They were losing their shit. Really? Okay. That's an important thing. So we're going to talk back to that. It's not as important as I'm saying, but it's important to me. Um, so they went to investigate, and upon getting closer, they witnessed even more lights. Sergeant Jim Penniston, one of two soldiers pursuing the phenomena on foot, claimed to have encountered a UFO. Penniston was a soldier with great performance reviews and held in good regard. Mm-hmm. When they came to what they considered the source of the lights, they saw an object that was metallic looking, almost like black glass, without rivets or seams, and glowing with colored lights. However, it's important to know that this is what Penniston said, Jim Penniston, because this claim is not corroborated by any other witnesses from the night. Another another source suggests that Penniston never got near the object. Rather, as they got close to the object, it seemed to constantly move backwards through the trees. Now, before I continue, one of the things that I need to talk about this whole investigation is it was very frustrating. I've never been more frustrated reviewing something because there's so much information and so many people have have talked about this. And so many of the facts don't seem to line up all the time from the skeptics, from the UFO enthusiasts, and from official sources. There seems to be contradictions, incongruities. So you're going to hear while I'm telling you these things that some things, it's like one source says this, one source says another. That just seems to be the way this case has been handled, which is very frustrating, but it does kind of also lend to how intriguing it might be. Right. Anyway... Penniston claimed that he had trouble getting close to the object because he was overcome with fatigue, which dissipated when he got within a close sphere of influence, is kind of what he called it. Okay. He also claims to have spent 45 minutes with the object or the unknown vessel, and he says he even touched it. He said there were hieroglyphic inscriptions on the side. Sure. Penniston also (laughs) claimed, yeah, sure, right? Penniston also claimed that he was telepathically connected to the ship. At this point, did and they the, mate? <laughs> they got their. The way you're making it sound, start touching, caressing, bumping uglies. I, <laughs> all I want to do is touch the glowy, weird, possibly threatening thing. <laughs> but it said that it was telepathic and that it spoke to him in binary. Five bucks says he didn't know what binary was. This is the nineteen? This is nineteen eighty. Yeah. Most people didn't own a computer at the time, and binary is not necessarily something that is taught was it regularly. In later school. established, it was binary, or her, he straight up was like, "We're going to, we're actually going to get to that." Oh, okay. Number these numbers that were communicated to him, he would later write down. I don't like following this story because he mentioned this binary communication decades after the original encounter. 
Oh. And when and he claims that they were all in his head, but when he wrote them down, they obviously translated into some very obvious alien communications. Everything about that seems very fake and after the fact. So okay. anyway, we're gonna we're gonna move past that. We might touch on it a little bit later. None of these experiences that uh, Penniston experienced were in his official report. He claims that he was told or forced by his superiors to change his story. They said, you can't say this stuff. They were trying to cover it up. He has since provided a notebook with all his experiences recorded, which is very different Mm. from his official report. It needs to be mentioned that his notebook also has inconsistencies with other evidence that exists and corroborations with other people. Okay. A 1983 Omni article, this would have been three years after the fact, that interviewed Colonel Ted Conrad, who was the base commander at the time, suggests more than one person saw this. He recalled that five servicemen spotted lights that could have been a small plane descending. Two of the soldiers tracked the object on foot. They allegedly found a tripod-mounted craft. I'm going to say, quote, tripod-mounted craft. It had no windows, but was studded with brilliant red and blue lights. Each time the men came within 50 yards of the ship, Conrad relates, it levitated six feet in the air and backed away. They followed it for almost an hour through the woods and across Mm. the field until it took off at phenomenal speed, end quote. However, no other witnesses have been named that claim to have seen such a craft. Whereas this said five servicemen from the boss, the guy who was in charge, and Penniston said he was with another person. No other, I can't find a single report mentioning by name any other people other than Penniston. So they're just maybe didn't want to be known. I mean, I... We don't know what has been and hasn't been released. I mean, we have Freedom of Information Act, but they can still keep stuff confidential. Sure. No other witnesses have been named that claim to have seen such craft. They only saw the lights. There are plenty of people who corroborate the lights. And who are these people? Like The the soldiers were mentioned that lights were seen. Soldiers who were um, on duty at the time. Okay. So there's uh, other soldiers' names that said they saw the lights. No other soldiers are on record saying they've seen the craft. Okay. Penis is the only person known by name to have seen the craft. All right. So that was on December 26th. Now okay. we're going to go December 28th. We're back December 26th. That's when this episode is going to air. Perfect. So, That's so this, cool. So this event, the original event occurred uh, 40 years ago when this episode is released. Nice. So this is December 28th, two days later. This is where the story gets a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about Penniston in a minute when we get to the skeptic stuff. But this is a different guy. On December 28th, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt went to the site of the alleged sighting. He went with several other soldiers. All of this was covered in the Halt Memo, which was the first officially released information about the event. The memo was released a few years later in 83, and it was titled Unexplained Lights. Mm. This entire investigation where they went out into the field was completely recorded on tape oh that's cool and this tape was released before i talk about the tape i'm gonna tell you one of the most awesome things i've ever done is listen to that tape because it's official you see them behaving professionally you can tell their soldiers and it's genuinely terrifying i think i would have been scared if i was there now let me tell you what happened 
But keep in mind, this tape is 18 minutes, and I wasn't just going to reread you quotes from, like, jumping yeah. between all the people involved. It's totally worth your time. I'll post a link to the audio file, which is on this one guy who, uh, a skeptic's website, they have the full audio thing in a, in a transcript of it and everything. It's it's totally... Do they have in- no video? No video. Okay. No video. The tape starts when they're just 150 feet from the alleged impact point. They were having mechanical problems with their lighting rig. <gasps> Convenient. <laughs> this was obviously at night. They took radiation readings and noticed a higher than normal, a higher than background reading at the site. The readings were highest in an area that was visibly distinct, almost twice as much as the background, which was what they read as 0.07 or 7 tenths milli Rontgens. Uh, we don't use Rontgens to do. What is- uh, radiation readings much anymore that's kind of an antiquated term oh, okay um it's not in a danger zone it's just noticeable um danger zone. but it peaked at one tenth or point one ronkin or milli ronkins the and i could be pronouncing that badly it's just it's a term no one uses anymore so i apologize to anyone who actually knows the term the impact area quote looked like a blasted or scruffed up area here end quote mm. there were multiple indentations in the area they were unsure of the cause Another soldier identified as England in the transcript also mentioned, quote, each of these trees that face into the blast, what we assume is the landing site, all have an abrasion facing in the same direction. Oh, my God. Towards the center, the same, end quote. That's so awesome. They took samples of soil and crystalline sap from the trees. Radiation readings noted higher levels on the abrasions and nothing on the backsides of the trees. So there was a noticeable change where the trees had... So even on the trees, there was a shift of... Yeah. Interesting. They also used a starlight scope, which I didn't know what that was, but thankfully the the article I was reading explained. It's an image intensifier, kind of like night vision, that they used in the 80s or early 80s. And they noticed obvious heat coming from the trees in all the spots where the damage was. Where the radiation would have been. Yeah. Yeah. An account from Forrester James Brownlee corroborated the scorched areas. Quote, I noticed that the pine trees well above the ground were broken, as if something heavy had fallen through from the sky. Branches were also torn off lower down. There were signs of scorching and burning on the forest floor and a series of indentations and that indicated that something solid had come down there. There was also evidence that an object may have been dragged along the ground to remove it from the area. End hmm. quote. So now we're going to go, we're going to talk about that one, what do you call it, that one witness account in a second. But now we're going to go back to Colonel Halt, Lieutenant Colonel Halt. Later in the investigation, they noticed a very weird and comfortable looking red flashing light in the distance. It was flashing. That same night that they were investigating? Yeah. Okay. Uh, It was flashing at regular intervals. But then at one point, Halt is heard saying, quote, it's coming this way. It's definitely coming this way. Nope. Pieces of it are shooting off. There is no doubt about it. This is weird. End quote. The soldier remarks, the soldiers remark that at one point it is moving right, but then also moving left. They continue towards the light away from the alleged landing site. As they moved, they saw more lights. At 3.15 a.m., Halt is quoted as saying, now we've got an object about 10 degrees directly south. 10 degrees off the horizon. And the ones to the north are moving. One's moving away from us. They're both heading north. Hey, 
Here he comes from the south. He's coming towards us now. Now we're observing what appears to be a beam coming down to the ground. <gasps> oh my god, no. This is unreal. 3.30. Oh, and that's end quote, but 3.30 quote. And the objects are still in the sky, although the one to the south looks like it's losing a little bit of altitude. We're turning around and heading back towards the base. The object to the south is still beaming down lights to the ground. They're Four- stealing the cattle. Yeah, 400 hours. One object still hovering above Woodbridge Base at about 5 to 10 degrees off the horizon, still moving erratic and similar lights and beaming down as earlier. End quote. It should also be noticed that they detected a similar burst of radiation a half mile away from the landing site. Mm. Halt has since gone on official record and stated that he did in fact witness an extraterrestrial event. Wow. And that it was covered up. <gasps> When other investigators attempted to find the landing site later, they discovered three holes or impressions one and a half inches deep and seven inches in diameter. Obviously, they formed a triangle. All Three holes, you find three dots, they always will form a triangle. Right, yeah. But I was upset that everywhere tried to emphasize that it was a triangle, which was stupid because it's three dots. They're always going to be a triangle. Yeah. Now, so that's that seems to be the event. There was a lot more that happened. There was a lot more going on, and some stuff seemed to not match with others. So mm-hmm. certain stories didn't. You mean like agree other with, witnesses and like their yeah, accounts. some some other stories didn't include information I put, and some had other information I didn't put in. So it seems very complicated. However, the number of theories has blown my mind, <laughs> including one amazing theory was that it was an entire hoax, suggesting. That the SAS attempted to get revenge on the U.S. Air Force, for no reason being mentioned, which involved the SAS parachuting people into the base and violently interrogating and forcing U.S. soldiers to lie and say that there was a UFO encounter. That's a really bizarre hoax. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting where... (laughs) It's kind of like the opposite, where if you see a UFO, they're, like, giving you some BS information, being like, whereas this, like, what you're saying is they used UFOs to cover something else up. You're like, wait. This one's crazy. This one's like, so I have a Michael Bay script that I totally think is what happened right here. Yeah. This is going to work out. All right. So, so we don't get too long in the teeth of this story. Let's start talking about what the skeptics have to say. So... There are many contradictions between witnesses and even between reports and interviews of the same people over a period of time. This is the number one thing that the skeptics bring up, and it's super valid. And we really need to talk about this. Uh, one of the biggest uh, ones that we talked about is actually with Penniston, because mm-hmm. his initial report with the military does not match his later reports that he gave to public press. And oh. even his public press interviews do not match ones that he gave a decade later. His his encounter with the ship has gotten increasingly more elaborate mm. and complex as time. It totally sounds like he's changing his story or he's allowing himself false memories and he's believing, he's allowing himself to believe things happened that didn't. He's building Maybe because like, you know, when you hear so much of other people, and not saying like he confused what he saw, what other people saw, but maybe he's exaggerating it exaggerating it in his head yeah. i mean i think we all do that with memory no absolutely um, but, over time but. but but we have one witness here and his stories this witness on this first day mm-hmm. and his story is changing whereas remember a couple episodes ago we talked about the lights above texas yeah you had a lot of witnesses and we're talking like 
credible witnesses, and they all agreed on the same thing. Yeah. That's this right. is already something to worry about. And skeptics, this is something that really needs to be addressed, and we need to think about this as a number one thing we should think about when we're talking about UFOs. If you've got one witness and his story is changing, maybe we should be like, how good is he as a witness? Yeah, for sure. All right. So skeptics, when they approach the downed aircraft light, the light that was falling from the sky, it should be noted that an exceptionally bright meteor was witnessed that same night by astronomers all over Mm. southern England. They called it a fireball. It was space debris that was probably falling into the sky. Oh, okay. This is apparently a common thing. Whenever we've seen notable meteors, we get a lot of UFO reports. And a lot of these, if you have a good vantage point, you can tell they just burn up in the sky. Yeah. But if you're at a bad vantage point, it looks like something might be landing. So oh, th- there is a, a lot of people who reported seeing what seems like a meteor, a big shooting star, or space debris, a fireball entering. But it was really bright. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be close to as bright as the moon can be. So it was very noticeable. Yeah. So that's something to think about. It could have just been bad perspective and they did see that. Let's talk about the markings on the ground that made up that triangle. Yeah. Local foresters and police claim the markings looked not unlike those made by a rabbit or small animal. They did not look suspicious, allegedly, and you can find lots of markings like this if you look around the woods in any direction. Uh-huh. I did look at the pictures. They were horrible pictures because they'd been like Xeroxed eight times in black <laughs> and white. But that said, I couldn't see shit. Oh, really? I looked at these pictures, and you know, uh, last episode I showed pictures of things that looked a little bit obvious. This, I didn't even know what I was looking at, so it could have been lost on me because of how many times it's been Xeroxed and copied. But even if it wasn't, it didn't look like there's much there. So we need to think about that. Now, here's a really important thing. Let's talk about the light that people saw on both nights. Remember, it was flashing, came intervals, kind of reddish. Yeah. Well, the Orfordness Lighthouse was to the east of the area, which actually lined up in the same line of sight. If you're Mm. in the forest, the direction everyone saw this light is straight to the lighthouse. It was also Uh. noted... That that lighthouse is one of was at the time one of the brightest lighthouses in the entire country. Oh wow! Okay. And its interval period matched the intervals that people said that they were seeing the flashing. Further, people. But who, it's not like it's the only time I know, this I know, lighthouse I know. is on. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this lighthouse okay. again. Okay. Further, people who investigated the area and have also seen the light, uh, they also saw that it would illuminate the nearby farmhouse in an ominous way. Uh, whenever they pursued it long enough and kept following the light, they always tracked it directly to the lighthouse. If they just kept going. None of the previous investigations went far because uh, the lighthouse is just far enough away. Yeah. No one went that far to be like, oh, I'm following the light forever. It's totally a lighthouse. Yeah. Now, let's talk about Peniston's notebook, the one that he left where he allegedly put his entire encounter that he wasn't allowed to put in his official report because they were trying to cover up. They said, yeah. you can't say any of this stuff. The major issue with this notebook, and I was not able to read the notebook. I was trying to find a good source for it, and I couldn't, but I was able to read stuff that was in it. But it was all paraphrased. One major issue is that his notebook has the days listed wrong. Oh, no. The event was on the 26th, and we have so much evidence to prove it was the 26th. His notebook says the 27th. And that already is a huge issue. He doesn't even have the right day. I don't know. I Now... So, so, so Penison insists that the dates are correct. Furthermore, he says that the dates probably were wrong in the official report because it was a cover-up. He also said oh. that the time... Uh, he, another issue is that he wrote the times in civilian 12-hour intervals. And he was military. 
and it should have been written in military time. It just doesn't match up. So why would he? He was writing like midnight, like midnight forty instead of like, you know, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no. I understand what you what you're saying. What's that supposed to suggest? I mean, how is that? I mean, I know. What am I trying to ask? I guess like how is that discrediting him? They're just by saying just, it, it seemed. It just seems weird that his notebook he would be recording the time because he was, apparently wrote this stuff in the notebook. Very shortly after the event, while he it wasn't like he did it twenty years later and he got back to using normal time. Like in the military, everyone just starts. It's so common for everyone who's been in the military to just use military time. But we know a lot of people who you're right are in the military and they use civilian. Yeah, I mean, like th- this one. They're talking to us. This is a weak know? thing, but I think it's just something that skeptics put on top of all the other evidence. Oh, like I, it could be weird. I think that's just that's nothing. I don't know. All right, another issue is Peniston immediately after the encounter drew the aircraft that he allegedly saw, which was very boxy, and he Mm. put a question mark next to it as though he couldn't really tell what it looked like. However, in the years that followed, he has drawn the aircraft, and so if he drew it and he wasn't sure what he looked like, but he also claimed to have been around it for 45 minutes and touched it, Mm He should know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And in later interviews and evidence, he has drawn the ship again, and it fits this triangle that, you know, supposed well, to later, match those three yeah. indentations on the ground. But his original drawing didn't look like a triangle, and he says he was around it for 45 minutes. He should have known a little better what it looked like, and he didn't. But yeah. his later sketches was from multiple angles and everything. Could he be creating false memories? Could he be like using new information and reimagining it in his head how it is. Yeah. I'm not quite sure he's a liar, but he might be telling falsehoods and he doesn't know. Yeah, that's what I think might be happening. Let's talk about the radiation readings that skeptics say. Claims are the uh, one of the big things skeptics say is that the devices that they were using to measure radiation were designed to measure heavy radiation levels after things like a bomb detonation or other major oh, okay. events. And that they're not suitable for the very small radiation changes. It doesn't pick up subtleties as well, right? Yeah, they say it's not accurate and it shouldn't be suitable for that. Hmm. And they also said that readings taken two and seven years later showed no evidence of radiation. We're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Many radioactive substances allegedly should show residual evidence of radioactivity in the time. And that is true, depending. Yeah. It really depends on what is there and what's causing the radiation. Um, now, here's the most damning thing that the skeptics have. Uh-oh. Remember I, I told you about this guy named James uh, Brownlea, who uh, he was one of the guys who corroborated that there were scorches on the trees. He wasn't on the original oh. investigation on the tape. He was a forester who later said, yeah, you can see broken stuff and it looked like something yeah. was dragged. All right. The guy apparently doesn't exist. Oh. <gasps> They've what? Gone, they've, skeptics have gone to try to interview this guy again because they wanted a non-military opinion because yeah. all the people who were there were military. They, they said, if there's a cover, we need other stuff. There is no evidence that a guy of that name ever worked for the Forestry Service. But he has quotes what? and, and um, interviews all over the place at the time. Guy doesn't seem to exist. That's Anymore. That, yeah, that's damning. <laughs> that's damning. And that's creepy. Astronomers claim that all the lights that Halt saw, the three lights, were actually stars. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> he said he just saw bright stars because they were looking. Maybe they were heightened senses. They were paranoid. They were scared. They were looking for stuff. And they just see these stars. And they're like, this is what it looks like. Okay. 
All right, so now let's go to the UFO believer point of view where people who are like, let's not be super skeptic, let's go against the skeptics. So the fireball, could it have been space debris? Absolutely. It could have been, but couldn't it have also been something that actually hit the earth? Yeah. Because just because other people saw it doesn't mean they saw the whole thing. You know, people could have seen it from other vantage points, but they might not have had the whole picture. Mm-hmm. There could have been something that actually hit the ground that started with a fireball and hit the ground. That there, one of their arguments is that it could have been something that was very small and something did hit the ground, and that maybe not a UFO, but something may have fallen and hit, and it would have right. explained why you have the scorches on the trees. Yeah, if it maybe was carrying some sort of lightly radioactive material with it when it well, hit it just the ground, came from space. Yeah, it could. So. There could have been a lot of reasons. So, yeah. so that argument isn't that it was a UFO, but that maybe the skeptics are being a bit harsh. Oh my god, that scared me. Sorry, for those of you who can't see, one of our... Uh, Soundproof pads. One of our sound just fell from the freaking wall. And attacked me. <laughs> it's scary. It came in like Batman trying to like catch me. Trying to catch this guy. Yeah. Okay, sorry, go on. Yeah. So um, arguments for something actually hitting the ground had to do with scorch marks and radiation readings, you know, if you want to buy those stuff. So... Uh, the UFO believers, I, I don't know, I need a better term than just calling them UFO believers, but they address Penniston's inconsistencies with his drawing the spacecraft that perhaps his encounter caused severe memory issues, especially if he was uh. claiming that he was being telepathically connected by the aliens and whatnot. Maybe he was abducted. Perhaps he was just so scared at the time that perhaps he didn't know what to draw. Uh, if he drew something very vague and he was being told to change his story, that helped him. It looked like it was a bullshit yeah. Claim. They said that there's a lot of things that can go on. And the thing is, as obvious as it seems, is like, oh, totally, that's what you'd say. You have to give credit. There's enough to think about there that we're like, okay, we can say that if there actually was an alien encounter, we don't know what that would do to someone's brain. And we don't know how long it would that's take for true. his brain to figure it all out. Yeah. That's if you want to buy it. We're just going to say, let's pretend Especially this did happen. Especially if allegedly you're so close and exactly. it was talking to you telepathically yeah. i mean it's not quite like the lobotomy but you don't know what things are scrambling exactly. in their brains exactly so if we just for a moment say it did happen that would be an explanation is it could have just fucked up his brain all right now the lighthouse let's talk about that they saw the lighthouse i actually do think one of the lights probably was definitely the lighthouse however yeah. In Halt's recording, they said that they saw lights breaking off from the center light. Like, the super bright light, there were other lights breaking off from it. Yeah. But also, the light at times is moving both left and right, which a lighthouse does not do. Lighthouse is always going in a circle. And so there's inconsistencies with the light, at least on the Halt recording, with what a lighthouse would suggest. Do I think that they might have seen the light from the lighthouse and that would have helped make everything look infinitely creepier weirder probably yeah but all right now let's talk about the radiation now the spikes being consistent with the location where everything was supposed to have fallen is what makes it weird could these devices i mean are these devices not suitable for absolutely i 100 believe the scientists when they say these are not designed to pick up low levels of radiation Mm -hmm. true however they were consistently spiking in that very subtle way whenever they were near those specific moments if the device was truly unable to do anything it should have been random yeah but that is not what they occurred or what they witnessed or recorded it it was 
it was consistently showing small spikes in specific areas. So might it not have been the best equipment? Absolutely. But it did show a consistent result. And that's something that needs to be considered. Now let's talk about the readings that were taken later. So if we're going into the, this was a UFO, we don't know what kind of technology, we don't know what kind of radiation was going to be left behind. There could be explanations that would suggest that something might only be radioactive for days, maybe even weeks. Yeah, you don't know. But not two years later, not seven years later. If it left behind uranium, of course it should continue to be radioactive. Yeah. But we're not quite sure if we're accepting that this was some sort of UFO. Saying that there was not radiation two or seven years later does seem a bit weird to me. I'm also not a physicist and I'm not super aware of all the specificities of radiation detection and everything. So I might sound a little bit stupid here, but I do think there's at least something worth thinking about a little deeper here but there are like elements that as far as i know can especially if it's their small amounts is very, yeah, exactly especially if it's very it small very amounts short. of radiation because they weren't seeing huge spikes or something like yeah that. so the one last thing and calling it the last thing is a bit of a disservice this is what the ufo believers hold on to they grasp at this but i also think it is the most compelling evidence and that is the scorch marks yeah so The fact that we do have military records of them witnessing scorch marks, whether or not you want to buy the radiation, we can give that, take it, whatever. But they noticed scorch marks all in kind of a circle around an area. They kind of matched up and it was bizarre. And they noticed that it was bizarre and they were seeing heat traces with their enhanced vision devices. There's something weird there. And so far, and I was trying to read as much skeptical stuff as I could, you know, I can only spend so much time on this. Um, I wasn't finding anyone addressing that. They were addressing everything else really brilliantly. Like the skeptics were on point with this. But when it came to this particular issue, it was very loosely, vaguely addressed or not at all. And this so is they, I, they, I thought you kind of mentioned that it could have been like space debris that fell and that, you know, it, it is kind of on fire. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's hot coming in. I don't know how how it would leave scorch marks though but right i don't so that just seems like you think you'd see a bigger impact if it was causing that's what i'm saying so like if it was that big i think it's weird i don't know yeah so that's kind of where we're at from what i can tell and by the way just just as a reiteration this is a huge story and if you're interested in this, you could you could spend days and days reading about this. There's books, even movies about this. I know this. what I'm doing this weekend. Yeah, that go super in depth. So take this as mine is just a little taste. I'm scratching the surface and there's a lot more going on. And I do think calling it Britain's Roswell is a bit of a disservice because this one is more about eyewitness accounts with very little physical evidence. Whereas with Roswell, whether or not you believe it's an alien crash is irrelevant. We actually know for a fact that there was debris there of was a crash. There was something there, yeah. It could have been a weather balloon. It could have I mean, been anything. there's literally we, pictures. And, yeah, yeah, we have actual evidence of something there. Whereas this, we don't. The only thing we have right now that seems to be possible evidence is this scorching. So yeah. anyway, now it's time to ignore the skeptics and ignore the UFO believers and go to the chase view. The only view that matters to me. <laughs> you always got to have your own thing, don't you? All right. So what do I think probably happened? Well, I think something weird did happen, but I want to first talk about Penniston. I watched an interview with him and there was a much more recent interview. So he's a lot older now. Uh, it, I don't know exactly when the interview was, but I think it was within the last 10 years. And... I always like to give the benefit of the doubt to people, but sometimes when I hear people and I just think they're full of shit, he was one of them. Oh, and I'm not trying to be a dick, but when I heard him and I heard his story, I couldn't buy any. Was of he it. just 
did he sound crazy or was it like he didn't sound crazy he did sound like he believed it but he also just sounded i wouldn't believe anything that he said so i Mm. don't buy anything he said all right what i do believe is the audio tape the halt audio tape which is one of the coolest things i've ever heard i recommend it to everyone it's just really i think you could turn a movie if you just verbatim did that and then you just did fiction at the end and made all crazy but that was amazing and i do believe that and I think that the radiation is intriguing. I'd love to know a little bit more about. I think I just I wish I knew more information. Like me if too. I like if I was well more informed about like all that stuff. Exactly. I, I, I don't know enough of it. And I am obsessed with the scorch marks. And I do like that this guy, the Holt, uh, which I do find interesting, said that that he saw something and there was a cover. He never said he saw a craft. But mm. He saw weird stuff. And I mean. The skeptic said he just saw bright stars, but if he saw bright stars and he saw them for over an hour, you know, the Earth is spinning and rotating. He should see them move considerably if they're stars. Well, but if he's yeah. seeing them hovering in an area for a long, prolonged period of time, you're not going to see a star do that. Not for an hour. It's not going to be the same place. For oh, no. I, and we know that very well because every time we try yeah. to see something astrological in the sky, like very recently we were... Trying to see the uh, Jupiter and uh, oh, the convergence that we saw. Yeah, yeah that conver- was that was Saturn and Jupiter. Yeah, Saturn and Jupiter, running, yeah. and you know we barely caught it, and then before we knew it, in like thirty it minutes, it was, it was just beyond the horizon, like we couldn't see it anymore. Whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously, very aware that these things can be they quickly get out of your vision or Absolutely. line of sight. So if they're stationary, I don't know, it's something. It's not a star. So my assumption is that Peniston went out there and he saw something weird but he didn't know what to say and he's spent the last 40 years kind of rewriting <laughs> it in his brain to figure yeah. it out and i think that there's a very good chance something did burn up and come into the earth maybe it shattered into pieces and kind of hit the area with scorch marks and everything it was very small probably something small enough to leave radiation and that's probably all that happened mm-hmm. and then some weird lighthouse lights and everything confused people but Maybe. Maybe. So do I think it's a UFO? Probably not. But do I think it's some weird shit? Absolutely. (laughs) Would I have been super scared to be there when they were investigating? You bet. Do I really, really, really want to go to this forest the next time we're in England? Absolutely. Oh, my God. I'll be be at the sanatorium and you can be (laughs) at that forest. I totally want to go here. So uh, I don't know if it was a UFO. I I think the skeptics, though, have torn this one apart. And they're actually very well written and very well investigated. And that's probably the best way to start researching this because they do also admit the stuff that they don't have uh, excuses for. And that's my favorite thing about skeptics is skeptics try to do their best to disprove something, but they will always admit we don't know about this yet. We don't know. Whereas the people who are hardcore believers no matter what it's always it was absolutely aliens and let me try to come up with every explanation i can to prove to you and they aliens. take any accounts or like people's statements stuff like that as as yeah proof when, and I, you're when just... I was watching an interview with peniston uh the guy who was doing the interview and he was very well spoken and he was running a show very well so but this is interesting because in all previous in like uh, 20 years ago when he was being interviewed he said i saw an alien craft i saw an alien craft but in this interview he said i don't believe it's an alien craft I believe it was humans from the future coming back. Oh. And I'm like, okay, more revision. But the guy who well. was interviewing him just got excited. You saw him getting giddy in his chair. And I was like, 
he just wants to hear this. He wants to believe it. He's into it for the belief so instead of saying, let's think about it. My guess this. is that he read Sphere by Michael <laughs> yeah, right, Crichton, right? and he's like, maybe that's what I saw. Yeah, I, this Penniston guy, he he's a super revisionist in his beliefs. I'm not into this. It's the other guy, though. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, so we can still omit that, and that's fine, because we still have enough material for and it to be really creepy. All the creepy. good stuff happened on the 20, the, the other Seventh. day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, on the 28th. Or whatever. Two days later. So I can't promise my next UFO story won't be in England only because I've opened up a can of worms. I'm just jumping through them. Yeah. I'm trying to get something a little bit more, um, a little bit more horrifying. But I don't know if those exist. I don't know. Uh, so we'll see. But that. I know, I'm scared. Is the end of the episode? Encounter, 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 encounter. Cha cha cha. <laughs> a little cha cha there, huh? A little cha cha. Little dance. Yay! So that was a really good story. I really liked it. It was odd it definitely there were no abductions which i like but there was some interaction according to one guy well and you gotta admit it's also cool that a lot of these stories are coming from primarily military personnel when usually it's like the military general saying nothing happened stop bothering us whereas like all the stories are coming from the military and both witnesses claim they saw some sort of extraterrestrial event yeah both and they both said that it's being covered up so having two guys say it, thought, especially I one sees trustworthy and one does that that inspires me i get i get the little x-files theme playing in my head so <laughs> you gotta get your moldy on my moldy and my scoliosis <laughs> why why jace i joke because i love them yeah i i've seen that show like 500 times now but <laughs> i'm not saying uh Fox Mulder is cute, but he's uh, he's a good character. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so that's the end of our episode. I'm really glad that you guys got to hang out, and I hope you guys are finally catching on that we, as long as we're trying to terrify you, really what we're trying to do is entertain you. While drinking. While drinking, and I hope you guys are, are as well. <laughs> just imagine us being in a pub, and then you just have these two crazy friends who love telling you scary stories, and you're like, okay, I'll just drink while they do this. That's yeah. what we are. Fun stories like this. It's a lot better than talking about, I don't know, current events or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's more fun. <laughs> Take a break from politics and right, listen right. to our Have crazy uh, <laughs> conversations. So thank you guys so much. And just remember, if this is your first time listening, there's a lot of different ways you can listen to us. We're on YouTube, but we're also on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Captivate. And if you can think of any other good places to hear us, just let us know. And we'll see if we can get ourselves out there to make it easier on you. Yeah. And again, we do have an email address, hotwpodcast at gmail.com. Send us some stories. Maybe we'll start reading some at the end of an episode. Or even if you have a suggestion for a topic for a show, let us know and we'll try our best to uh, make it good. (laughs) And if it's truly scary, I mean, damn, that'll be good. (laughs) That'll be really good. And we hope to see you next year with the next episode, first of 2021. 2021, yes. Well, and uh, here's me and Lily. Wishing you a good night, a cheers, because we ain't done drinking. And a happy new year. And happy new year. And all the resolutions that may come. Exactly. In fact, the day after New Year's, you might want to listen to our episodes, because the best cure for a hangover is is fear. fear. See you later. Bye.